today we'll explore the timeless interiors, the classic design of Suzanne Tucker. She has a few books, a fabric line, furniture, and she is charming to no end. So I sometimes wonder, and I think about this, all the knowledge that I have gained up until now, but if I could repurpose that back to when I first started in the, in the design profession, mm. could I give myself a longer runway? What could I do with that extra time or knowledge? Do you ever think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think back on, well, I mean, hey, we all do that. We were all teenagers once, right? We all thought we knew everything, and God knows our parents didn't know a darn thing. Yes. Am I allowed to swear on this, by the way? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. As more swearing, anyway. the better, I think, is the rule. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we wish what we knew now what we knew then, right? Or vice versa. But, uh, you know, that's one thing I say about this industry. You learn something every single day. That's true, right? And I tell my young staff, and if you're not, you're doing something wrong, and you need to wake up. Yeah, I just listened to somebody or read somebody's... Um articulation of what really makes people happy mm. it was in a different field but he said it's when you're growing when you're learning mm -hmm. and I, I thought that was poignant and you just reminded me of that yeah it you is know. it is i think when you can come home at the end of the day you might be exhausted you might be worn out you might feel defeated or elated or it doesn't matter but if you can kind of go okay even the bad days you learn something Mm. And, you know, you take those mistakes of which this industry is fraught with mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, Murphy's Law is always in place. That's the Remember all Remember that out there in Radioland. Uh -huh. um, but uh, it's always in place. And you are always going to make mistakes. And those are the ones that you learn from and you never do again. And believe yeah. me, I've got an entire resume of those. Yeah. <laughs> is that really a good pitch when you go meet, to meet a new client? Like, I've already made the mistakes, so I'll help you not make them. Right. Well, actually. But it's true, though, right? Actually, what I do say to clients is that mistakes are really expensive now. Mm -hmm. And my job is to make sure that they don't have them. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, you have two books, right? I do. Uh, the Rooms to Remember mm -hmm. and The Romance of Design. When did you decide, okay, now it's time for Suzanne to do some books? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I think it was maybe, oh gosh, maybe 15 years ago. And uh, it was in a meeting with my senior team and uh, business consultant and uh, Keith Granite, and he turned to me and he said, "Okay, Suzanne, like, what do you what do you want to do? What's the vision going forward? What do you want to do next?" And I said, "Well, I'd like to publish a book. Sure, why not? And I'd like to have a textile line. That would be really cool. I love textiles." You know? uh -huh. And. Uh, my staff has since reminded me on more than a few occasions, Suzanne, be careful what you put out to the universe because it tends to come true. Yeah. And so here I am now with a textile line and yeah. two books published. And now people are rattling my cage saying, you need the third book to come out. And I'm just like, okay, well, we'll see. How much work is it? To do a book? Yeah. Oh my God. It's so much work. It's so much work, and it's work that you, if you have a full-time business as a designer, which for most of us in the field know that it's more than a full-time business, it's, um, it's after hours, it's weekends, it's late nights. Um, it's, it's an act of love. Uh -huh. It really is. Do like eight months, nine months to kind of just oh. pick away at it? Yeah, I mean, the long, t the long part of it is the photography and lining all that yeah. up. Well, and for me to find the time to actually do the photo shoots. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then you got to write it. And I actually write my own books. There's many people who oh, hire cool. ghostwriters. Ghost sure. And they just have, you know, someone, I remember asking a colleague of mine um, how she was doing with the writing because both of our second books were coming out at the same time. And she said, what writing? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I know, and I was like, well... You know all what the writing? everything about all the projects and and the book and she said oh, I don't write anything oh, and I was funny. like God no one gave me that memo. Do you <laughs> like writing? Are you does it come across? Does it come I easily? I do like writing. I do. I do like writing. Um, I'm finding it harder though these days just because there's so much else swirling around in my world to 
start off with okay pen to paper and start I'm better at dictating uh-huh. and actually that was how I wrote my first book mm, was that I would dictate and then I had someone transcribe all my dictations of course then I started reading them and I said oh my god I sound like an idiot so then I just have to edit all my writing and mm-hmm. do all of that but that works that's a good back and forth process for me mm-hmm. and um yeah, it's it's the it's the dictating chatting first and <laughs> downloading my brain of like what happened on this project and why did I choose that and I'm imagining like Siri, you know, when you're trying to voice text. Oh yeah. Like that's not even close to what I said. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um do you um do you want to talk about um kind of I don't know, legacy, what the firm will have left, what imprint mm. it will have that's a lovely uh, question. That's a lovely, lovely question, and it's a it's a it's a big question answer to ponder. I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, last year I was awarded the Legacy Award for the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art, our chapter up here. Yeah, in I was California. good. I was, I was there. It was a wonderful yeah. event. And um, I re- when they called me about it, I thought Legacy. I'm not old oh, enough. Right. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know. And of course, then I realized it'd be a good fundraiser and fine, I'll be the bait. But um, the legacy of your work, I think, is a really important thing to think about. And I would say to people, think about it when you're younger, mm-hmm. as you go forward. Um, and that's sort of like, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. And I say that because um, there's so much that you can actually do to to create a legacy in your work, whether it is how you um, treat your clients, how you treat your employees, how you approach the world of design, your use of color or your innovative materials or whatever it might be that's your thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I would hope I would hope that, you know, 50 years from now, I don't know if the company will still be going. That's going to be up to my staff. But. Um, I would hope that people would look back and say, wow, that was, that was a wonderful legacy to leave behind. It was timeless, beautiful work. That doesn't tell you whether it was, you know, modern, traditional, Louis, Fooey, whatever. It just tells mm-hmm. you that it was timeless, good work that has withstood the test of time. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's good design. Have you thought about that a lot? You kind of, I mean, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, two years ago, do you kind of think about that? I do think about it from the standpoint of I, I take my I take my clients and my clients' money very seriously. I take what they entrust me with very mm. seriously, and I'm not cavalier about it. And you know, I want I want it to be lasting for them. I want my work to make them feel good for them to feel nurtured for them to whatever it is they need to feel in their homes and where they live and the spaces in which they pass and spend their time and so i take that very seriously and and how that resonates for people i mean i just got the sweetest gift and note from a client today on my desk and it was a lovely very expensive completely unnecessary gift and you know two months ago i installed their project and she just wrote the nicest note about how thank you for making us so happy in our new home and that's the reward Mm -hmm. you You, uh, emit a lot of love I can see that thank you Um, just kind of your your face lit up when you're talking about this note Mm -hmm. and I can see that you've built that culture that you know in your team yeah what do you do to sort of and uh, make sure to keep that up because that's tough. You know, how do you coach yeah. your team in order to exemplify that same jam that you got going? Well, you know, interesting people say it all starts at the top, and uh, I, that's very true. I mean, again, the golden rule do unto others as you would want to do unto you. And so I believe in treating my staff really well and spoiling them and indulging them. I mean, this business is hard enough. It's like, why do you have to, why do you want to work for someone or work somewhere where it's difficult and challenging? And I went through that. So, I mean, when I worked for Michael Taylor, that was a whole different world. Different. But, um, <laughs> um, well, he brutalized people. 
He was oh really, really cruel to his staff. <laughs> you have got to listen to my previous podcast. Okay. <laughs> It'll make a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say, but that's, um, yeah, that's a different yeah. environment, it sounds like. So, you know, I would rather put love out there. I would rather put warmth than... Um, and empathy and kindness, and it's my approach. My my motto is kill them with kindness. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. Oh, well, it's it's ringing true here. Um, can I t- share with you what what I've kind of started focusing on this last year? Sure. Because I actually had a coffee this morning with a buddy and was explaining to him that I, I feel like you have to reinvent your motivation a little bit. Mm. You know, I've kind of been at this uh, sixteen years or so. In the in the profession, and um, this year I'm I'm kind of shifting my focus to think of even the work we do as part of a bigger picture and a bigger aim. That the the work and the business, I guess, is a vehicle to do more good. Yes. And I don't know you you're um, committed to a lot of philanthropy, mm-hmm. um, and and that's kind of starting to fulfill me. I mean that that can also help me make make judgments not just on a beautiful interior not just on satisfying um the dreams of our clients but also building a great organization that yeah, fulfills something for the uh, the the epitaph or yeah. Yeah. you know the, the gravestone the really reads not just they they did a killer job doing mm-hmm. great design and made a lot of homes happy right but they they also positively influenced the community mm-hmm and those around them, mm-hmm. and, and it was bigger than, mm-hmm. than just pretty, pretty rooms. Right, which is all ultimately so much more rewarding. And quite frankly, it's so much more selfish because it is so much more rewarding, really. <laughs> There's truth to that. <laughs> there, there is truth to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't see that. But you know, it's interesting that you say that at this point of your career, you're thinking, you're questioning that, like, what is it that you want to give and do? and I, when I was in my 30s, I went through a phase of being really disillusioned with my work and the industry and just the whole thing of design. And I was just in this sort of funk about it and that, oh, this stuff doesn't matter. It's just stuff, right? It's just all material possessions and it doesn't mean anything in life in the grand scheme of things. Right? You were reading a lot about Buddhism and Taoism. Exactly. I was in a whole different sort of spiritual thing and <laughs> yeah. thinking, you know, this is, you know. Is, is meaningless and then I kind of came full circle and I realized that yeah if that's how you look at it sure on the surface it is it's all just stuff it's you know pretty things or ugly things or blue things or red things or whatever it might be I sound like a Dr. Seuss book <laughs> but um but on a deeper level it's like okay where's the meaning in it and that meaning can be in fulfilling people's lives in a way that they can't do for themselves and that goes out to the philanthropic side of it it goes back to the giving back side of it so whether it's teaching or mentoring or just simply supporting the community in 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 ways that you may not have thought of a year ago i mean here's an example i guess it was well it was when the fires were going on up in sonoma and napa and I remember it was Sunday afternoon and I was home and it was when it was really starting to get bad. And Monday morning I had planned to sit down with my um, assistant and go through all the Christmas gifts and holiday gifts that I wanted to send out to clients and, and vendors and all the people that I love and adore, right? And I looked at my husband and I said to Tim, I can't in my right mind bring myself to start going and buying gifts and sending people gifts when there's people who've lost everything right nearby. And I said, I just can't do it. And so instead, I found four charities and I figured out what do we usually spend in the holidays? And I usually spend a lot at the holidays. <laughs> and I just said, we're going to do that. Yeah. We're going to just give it all to people who need it. So, mm. and, and we did. <laughs> and it felt... It felt so good. Yeah. And instead of getting the thank you note for the beautiful crystal, whatever, mm-hmm. I got the thank you note for thank you so much for supporting those organizations. And, you know, the clients were the ones that were for the animals wrote about that. And the mm-hmm. clients who really felt strongly about the non-documented people and wrote about that. And, you know, it was 
That felt good. That's great. It was a really nice thing to do. And I don't mean it from a standpoint of tooting my own horn. I mean it from a standpoint of look beyond ourselves. Sure. Because what we do deal with is a lot of stuff that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just material possessions. But you can give so much more if you really think about it. Were you impressed with how the Bay Area kind of all knitted together to support the North Bay? Yeah. That was yeah. pretty powerful, wasn't it? It was really powerful. And I must say... I think that's also the power of social media is that it can get people together to do that in ways that were never possible, wouldn't have happened before like that. They would have might they might have happened in, in, in the small community itself, but never at a on a larger basis. Um, you know, in January, well actually in December I had the same thing happen with the forest fires down in Santa Barbara mm-hmm. where my hometown yeah. And, you know, my mom had to evacuate early and come oh. up to me. And then she went home after two weeks over the holidays. And then she had evacuated again with the, the mudslides. Mud yeah. So it was Jeez. like there again, I kind of thought, oh, my God, I should have given and supported money to them. And, mm. you know, and now what? And there's, mm-hmm. there's more causes, of course. There will always be causes. Yes. Well, that's an interesting question, too. I, our studio certainly gets asked to... Um, or donate our time, yeah. all these things. How do you measure like what you can and cannot do? And any advice for any younger designers, maybe or mm. architects listening? Uh, <laughs> and me, actually. I know, right. exactly. <laughs> my, you know, my, my, my assistant, Kara, who's been with me for over 20 years, um, you know, she's literally half my brain at this point, I think. You know, she's, oh, she sweet. will always say to me, Suzanne, you can't say yes to this. You can't mm-hmm. do this. You don't have time. Da, da, da. And, and and she is mostly right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I tend to say yes. Mm-hmm. I don't have an easy time saying no. Mm-hmm. And I've learned I, it's a it's a it's a learned thing I think, especially for women, to learn to say no. We aren't brought up to say no. We're brought up to be pleasers. Mm-hmm. And um, so I tell everybody, uh, just say yes. Don't say no. When someone asks you for something, just say yes. Because even if it's on the smallest little thing, you can do something. And if it's your time that you can't give away, um, you know, send something. And if it's your money you can't give away, maybe it's an hour of your time or a consultation or an extra pillow that didn't work out on an installation and you got mm-hmm. stuck with, you can donate. Or there's generally something mm-hmm. that you can say yes to. Well, um- that's probably there's a lot of really big hearts around, but um, yeah. I think what you, maybe um, what you're saying is the error on the side of generosity, which I would also concur, right? I yeah. mean, if you're thinking, you know, whatever, it's not fifty-fifty. We're more like sixty-forty. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Well, you know, no one's going to fault you for saying, "Gee, Jeff is far too generous." Yes. That's a really bad quality. You know, and no one's going to say that. Yeah. 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 You have to remember that. And if if that's your worst fault, you're doing it okay. Oh, he's terrible. He's way too generous. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some good jokes there. Oh, he's far too interesting and good looking. You know, surely. <laughs> I know. And, and I know. generous. Um, so what inspired you to start your furnishing line? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, it was really starting with the the textiles um, because I've always collected textiles and I like using unique and um, collected textiles in Mm. my work. And um, so that's what started that and a passion for, for textiles. Um, And of course, who launches a textile in the middle of a recession? I did. You already had Um, the train down the tracks. Oh my God. Yes. It was already down the tracks and (laughs) you know, um, but it was very exciting and thrilling and we launched in Paris and, um, and with Holland and Sherry and it was, it was, it was really great and I've loved it. I will tell you that designing and working on my textile line has tapped into a creative part of me that I haven't felt since I was in college in art school. And that feels really good because it's a different part of creativity mm-hmm. that we are encouraged to have and nurtured when we're in school. But when you get out of school and you get into a work environment and a career environment or an employee environment or a client environment, you have to then conform to all of those things. Mm. 
and when you're think back when you're in college and you were just given an assignment and you could just you know be creative with it it's tapped back into that which i love mm-hmm. um and plus as far as sort of a furnishings line and all of that you know i came from the school of everything is custom so you want um eight and four inch long eight foot four inch long sofa you draw it you design it you have it made if the fabric doesn't come in the right color you dye it to make it the right color um you make the trim the right threads that you want and if the threads don't exist you dye it or you weave it or i mean i came from a very custom background yeah so for me the idea of furniture line and fabric line was like why not yeah did you kind of have a catalog? I mean, is that sort of everyone's dream? It, it seems some designers who, you know, it, uh, everyone at some capacity does custom, either all custom or mm. some custom. Mm. Like, I'll just shelf that and use that for a line one day. Oh, well, most did people you have don't a, do custom. You don't think so? Oh, I know yeah, so. Okay. I know so. It's been interesting being on the inside of the showrooms now and meaning having being like one of the people in a showroom oh. who and learning from the inside mm-hmm. um no most people don't do custom work like it comes at 84 and i'll take it 84 yes <laughs> yes and yeah. yes and here's this fabric and what matches it and you know i mean it's um yeah most people do not do custom in this world hmm. um are there let's see oh i know here's a good question <laughs> um pick one country that you travel to that gives you goosebumps because it's so bloody gorgeous. Goosebumps. Oh my gosh. You know, I am always nursing a mild case of wanderlust. I, I'm the kind of person that you're like, okay, you want to go to the post office with, with me? And I'm like, okay, I'll go. You know, I always say, yeah, I'll go anywhere, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, um, uh, matter of fact, I, clients just said, you want to come hiking in Switzerland with us? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Well, of course, two days later, you know, Tim says to me, we're not able to do that. We are going to be, you know, up in Alaska for your mom's birthday. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Mm-hmm. But so I'm always, I'm always wanting to go and travel mm-hmm. and get really itchy, uh-huh. um, to keep moving. And as far as one country, Oh, gosh, that's like saying choose your favorite child. That's mean. Uh I can can tell you more from the standpoint of like, okay, like last year was in Vietnam. I'm really glad I went to Vietnam. Hmm. That was fascinating. It was really interesting. And then went to Cambodia, also that same trip. I have no interest in going back. What did you discover there? No interest in going back to Vietnam. Uh I would love to go back to Cambodia. Interesting. Yeah. And yes, and, and, and it was absolutely, I just loved it. That resonated with me on a different level than, say, Western countries. I mean, huh. if you said to me, if the question was, okay, Suzanne, you can only go to one country ever again in your yeah. entire life, yeah. and you have to keep going there, what one would it be? Yeah. Mm. Which one would it be? Oh, that... It would be either, I can't see, I can't pick one. It would uh-huh. be either Italy uh-huh. or it might be England. Uh-huh. Yeah, like the motherland, you know. Yeah. But I mean, Italy, Italy. It's romantic. Yeah. It's beautiful mm. light. It's great food. It's just you know, it's yes. la, you know, yes. la dolce vita. Ah, prego. That's interesting. The, the the Cambodia. Can you pick up a couple of things to tell me what fascinated you? So the temples, much? the temples, yeah. and the fact that um, the fact that they were um, both Buddhist and Hindu. And so that, you know, these, and they're just, I mean, the ancientness of them is just staggering. The Angkor Wat, like all yes, of that? Yes, yeah. Angkor Wat, all those temples all around there. And um, the fact that they also had just been overgrown in the jungle for centuries and then got discovered, you know, yeah. back in the early um, 1900s was incredible. I mean, can I, you imagine coming across those in the jungle? Like, Oh, there's hey, some, hey, rocks. We, we, there's some rocks under here. And, you know. <laughs> so we get a saw. We're going to have to take it off a tree. Yeah. There, I just was in Belize, uh, and there's some Mayan temples that they've revealed, and there's more to reveal, like literally under some dirt, kind of. Yeah. They haven't you know, worked to uh, um, let them shine yet. Yeah. 
Well, that's, that is pretty special. It is fascinating. Those ancient, ancient cultures that, you know, make you realize, I mean, we're so young, mm-hmm. you know, our country is so young mm-hmm. and um, there's, there's so much out there to explore and it's ever inspiring. Mm. And, you know, I'm just always, I'm, I'm always curious. Mm. And that's a quality I look for in people, particularly when I'm with staff and my employees. I'm like, be curious, be mm-hmm. curious in life. And that's how you learn every single day. Mm. Are there any designers, I, um, I shudder at the word up and coming, <laughs> but, you know, somebody like that. Um, is there anybody that you're following and, and kind of digging what they're putting down? Mm. That is a really hard question. I, I guess I should say the person across from me at the table. Here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's probably a hard um, question to, to it's answer. It's a little bit of a hard question for me because, I mean, I'm, I love Instagram and I'm all over Instagram and um, I have to kind of wean myself off it at times and then I merge back into mm. it. Um, but, um, and I'm not necessarily following like a younger designer just because. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, the reason I love Instagram is because it really shows someone's eye. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of shocking that people you might think would have a really good eye don't. And uh, yeah. those that you'd be kind of surprised that wouldn't do. So um, that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah. But um, uh, no, I can't. I can't actually speak. To I, I, I don't know that I can either. I don't. I, just when we started doing the showcase, uh, we were talking about it earlier. Um, like uh, 2011 was our first one. I've been going to them for years, but that's the first time I started to find the community in, yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. Like, Ah, this is so much more. This is deeper and more fulfilling than I yeah. had been working in a vacuum. Really. There's a great community here in design. Yeah, it's very supportive. It's very collegial. Um, it's very different than when I first started here. Uh, and um, different in what way? Well, <laughs> I really date myself talking, telling you the story. But when I first moved here, it was in 1980, 81. And I'd been living in London for three years, and I'd working for a designer over there. Cool. And um, I tried to get a job in this town, and I was not a gay guy. Uh huh. And it was a really interesting reverse kind of discrimination that I was coming up against. Hmm. And I got offered the stock girl jobs, and I got offered the secretary job, and I got hmm. offered these kind of things, and I was like, but. And everyone was like, oh, well, Michael Taylor, but he only wants to hire guys. And I was uh, like, wait a minute, just because, you know, I'm not a gay guy doesn't mean I'm any less talented or qualified or, you know. Yeah. And so it was it was a very interesting time. It was the height of the whole gay world here before mm-hmm. AIDS hit. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, yeah, it was it was boomtown for, for the gay guys. Yeah. And... Um, you know that was a that was a tough one to come up against. That's just I must funny. Admit. There was a, uh, a lecture kind of series going on for Design Week last week, or a week and a half ago or something, mm. and the four panelists, no women. It was actually the moderator was a woman, woman, and then oh, all, I know. all it was, gentlemen. It was Madeline, Madeline Stewart. Yeah, I gave her a hard time for that. Oh, oh they're all men. <laughs> it was all men. Yeah. I'm like, honey. I also thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, but I also look at all look at our podcast list, and it'll be like three, four women in a row. Yeah. And, uh, totally unrelated, and then it'll be like five or, or two men in a row, and, yeah. and a splurt of women. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I mean, there wasn't as much intent. I wouldn't. I wouldn't paint myself as being some arch feminist, but uh-huh. I'm. Sur- I'm very conscious of like, okay, you're not going to have all men on a panel, all women on a panel, unless that's specifically what it's about. Right. You know? But balance it out. You need the yin and yang. You need that. You know. I mean, you get too many women in a room is too much estrogen, and vice yeah. versa with the testosterone. It's like, come on, break it up, people. Yeah. So I gave Madeline a hard time on that one. Although she, <laughs> she uh, just loves the. I boys. wish she was listening right now because I could also say that she actually talked half the time anyway. So she, women were represented. That's Jokes. Like, that's, that, that, that is so Madeline. I, lo- I just I love her for that. You know, she's just gonna be but Yeah, she's a hoot. Um. Uh, 
sometimes I'm really, really forgiving on details. And other times, not really, really forgiving, but forgiving. And other times I am so particular to a fault. You know, with, uh, and that, it's just like something. What do you I'm, mean? What kind of details? Oh, oh, maybe details on exactly an edge detail in the kitchen, you know, or I want, I want, I do not want an inch and a quarter. You know, I want um, an inch and three eighths. You know, I don't know. I'm and, like, and what's wrong with that? No, but then other times, <laughs> other times I'm like, I, it just looks great. You know, that's the way it is. Do you fight that or are you always OCD? Uh, OCD. Are you always really particular? I am always really particular, and I'm always really fussy and persnickety. And I do feel like that's what people pay us to be. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I can also step away from myself and kind of go, you know, the little like you know devil angel on your shoulder. Yeah. And I can also step back and going, okay, is this one like really important to push back on and fight over, or is it like, is it okay? And sometimes I'm like. You know, it actually looks okay. It's all right. I may not have done it that way necessarily, yeah. but I can let go of it kind of thing. That's kind of what I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's that letting go of that, That oh, it has to be yeah. absolutely, yeah. you know. But um, And sometimes there's happy mistakes where you're like, oh, yeah, I, oh, pl- yeah. I planned it that way. Of course yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all along. But that's just life in design. Mm-hmm. When you work with your team, I, I kind of, I really ask our teammates to be responsible and therefore they get oh they get maybe more um influence on a project mm-hmm. than they might in another firm mm-hmm. because i expect a lot but also give them the, some space it's good and uh, and that i kind of have a a rule i guess when i'm looking at everything i gotta love the whole you know project before i present it to our client but if something, if I'm um, kind of on the fence or something, that the other designer like loves it, I'm like, okay, we're going to run with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because I see your vision, and okay, you know, I can't be, I can't be everywhere all at once. Right. Do you operate that's a, like that too? Yes, that's a that's a really good approach to take. Um, I absolutely do. I mean, again, I can't be all things to all people and be everywhere all at the same time. And when, you know, my, my team will pull a design together um, and I'll say to them, uh, okay, where is this from? What is this doing in here? And someone will say, oh, we really like that or love it. Or, and I'll be like, okay, you guys, sell it to me. Because, and like, how much do you believe in it? And it's, it's interesting. Sometimes they'll be like, well, I really like this because it's this and it's this. And then they'll sort of peter off and realize, you know, maybe it's you not that good. don't love it too. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, good. We worked through that one full circle. Out it goes. Yeah. Or they really believe that it's the right thing. And mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, I'm going to, let's leave it in here. Let's see how the client reacts. Okay. But again, I always tell people, don't take it personally. You know, if they don't like the chair you chose, there are a thousand and one chairs plus out there. Mm. It's not like that's the only chair on the planet. That's the only one that's going to work. That's the only da 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 da. Yeah. So you have to be. You have to remain open-minded and flexible. At the same time, <laughs> I remember a few years back, I had a couple of young designers, and I'd given them um, the task of like, okay, you guys, you want to do some work. Pull this room together. Here's the basic theme. Here's the basic color palette. Pull together three schemes for me to, to look at. And they did, and they pinned them all up. And I was like, okay, great. Okay, and I went through, and I critiqued it. And I said, okay, this, this. Now, okay, let's use that. Not this one. Not this one. And I went through it all. And then they were like, okay, great. And they gathered it all up, and they went to leave the room. And I said, wait, don't you want to know why I said no to things? Uh-huh. And then they were like, oh, okay. And they kind of scrambled back. Why? Yeah. <laughs> and I explained to them. I said, this print is too much the same scale as that woven. Yeah. This texture doesn't marry this texture. This sheen and that sheen are too similar. They need balance. You know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, that's, that's that part of mentoring that's mm-hmm. important to do, that education, and to, to develop people's eye. And, you know, that's a gift. That's a gift to give to that's people. That's a really good suggestion to kind of run through the whys a little bit. Yeah. I asked a, a panelist one time a question in, from the crowd, and I was trying to see how they might be able to articulate what things pair nicely together in their view. 
Oh. Starting with kind of just furniture shapes, take that, mm. you know? Because right. sometimes a leg of a sofa does not go with the side table. Right. right. Come on, you know? Like, mm-hmm. But why? <laughs> right. Pretty hard to, to, to articulate that. And it sounds like you're able to do that with your staff. Oh, yeah. Like sometimes I can remember I'll, you know, they'll pin a bunch of things up. And I'm like, okay, every single leg in here has a twist. It's like, people, what are you doing? Like, yeah. it, you know, it, there's something more out there than a twist to a leg. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and clients do that too. You know, clients will react to the same thing over and over because it's what they're familiar with. It's what they're comfortable with. Yeah. And then you have to put a little something in there to kind of shake it up in terms of like, okay, I know you like curves, but look at this ge- this geometric piece and see how it makes that curve look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And again, it's that, it's that yin and yang thing. It's... Um, it's the breath of fresh air in a room is that piece mm-hmm. that maybe is the unexpected or it's that element of why something works or what doesn't work together. Mm-hmm. But that's your gift. Yeah. And it's a, it's a flurry of activity for so many years, looking at so many things yeah. so many times and making decisions and then going from the imagination to fulfillment and it rocked. Yeah. That's it's time, isn't it? It's time. Absolutely. It's time and trust. Um, can you talk about what it was like? Oh, I, had, I had this question on here. Do you want to talk about what it's like? What it was like to work with Michael Taylor? <laughs> sure. Or, and maybe how that prepared you to run your own firm? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I mentioned about how it was really a different world here in the early 80s. And um, I actually was, I was a little bit of a design snob when I came to this town because I had come from England Y'all. and you know, everything <laughs> over there was so marvelous and fabulous. And, um, and you know what I, and people, it's interesting. People had said to me, including some friends of my parents had said, Oh, you should only go to work for Michael Taylor, which um, they kept saying that's the man to go to work for in San Francisco. And at the time there was, um, there was Michael, there was Billy Gaylord, there was Tony Hale, um, Scott Lamb was young. Um, I've named everyone who's now dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and it was very much a, a male decorator town. And, um, uh, so anyway, I, there was no jobs around kind of thing for, and it was just a very curious time. And I saw an ad in the paper when you actually posted ads in papers yeah. and that's how you looked for jobs, yes. right? And it was summertime and I was having a good time and not really working very hard. And uh, I literally was going from A to B to C to D to E. And at the end of the E's, there was an ad for Expediter for an interior designer. And I thought, I wonder what an Expediter does. Mm-hmm. And um, so I called the number and short along of it is, I was told that Michael Taylor went through a middleman. And so I called Michael Taylor's office directly, looked up the phone book and called. Right. They said, oh, well, yes, um, can you come in you know, tomorrow at 11 o'clock? And I was like, okay, fine. So I went in at 11 o'clock, and um, I was immediately ushered into a back closet. Oh, and that was going to be your workplace? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> no. That was the expediting time. It, it was like, it was the closet where, and, he's, and this guy was whispering to me like, awesome. Michael's not here. And I'm like... Yeah? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm here for I'm here for the job interview. Yeah, but Michael's not here, um, and I'm like, why are we in a closet whispering? Yeah. And <laughs> um, he said, because we can't know. No one can know you're here for the job. And I'm like, okay. Why? I'm thinking, okay, this is so weird. So they said, well, call back at um, at six thirty. So I'm like, okay, I'll call back at six thirty and speak with Michael. So I left. Well, now, these are the days when there's no cell phones, okay? Yeah. And uh, so I was going down to dinner, my roommate's parents' house, down in Atherton, and we had to be there by 7 o'clock. And so 6.30 is, on, you know, we're on the freeway, and I'm like, we have to pull over. I have to find a payphone. I have to call this man at 6.30. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did. I found the payphone at the Chevron station, and I'm, you know, standing there, and the, <laughs> the side of the road calling him and I get this imperious man on the phone saying you know Mr. Taylor's having a massage call back in an hour oh, he slams boy. the phone down right oh boy okay so I'm like oh this is 
nice not so get to my roommate's parents house and of course dinner is at 7 30 and i'm supposed to call michael taylor at 7 30 and so finally i was like do you mind if i excuse myself from the table i'm supposed to call for this job interview so i finally did reach michael we talked on the phone for an hour and a half we talked about everything under the sun, from traveling to living in London to you name it, from cats, because he had two cats. Uh -huh. And we talked about everything except the job. Yeah. And then uh, he said, well, I'll have someone call you in the morning. So bright and early, I get a phone call, wakes me up. <laughs> and uh, it was his accountant who wanted me to come in to interview. And his accountant was like something out of Snidely Whiplash. I mean, he had like this little skinny mustache and he smoked those horrible, disgusting, long Sherman cigarettes, those uh -huh. brown things that stank. And he had an office in some building down on Market Street that was just the creepiest, sleaziest thing you've ever oh, seen. Oh, gosh. And, um, you know, I walk in all of what, you know, 23, 24 years old, and he, you know, looks at me up and down and, and it was the most uncomfortable thing. And uh, he sits me down and talks to me for five minutes and says, well, the job's been filled. And I was just looked at him like, why am I sitting here? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, Michael needs a good secretary. And I said, a secretary. Uh-huh. And... Now, don't ask me what possessed me, but I bit my tongue because normally I was pretty outspoken, but uh -huh. I bit my tongue and I just thought to myself, okay, maybe this is my foot in the door. Right. So I took a breath uh -huh. and I said, well, what's involved? And he said, well, Michael needs you to make his appointments. I'm like, fine, I can do that. Talk to his clients. Fine. I can talk to a doorknob. Uh, make his travel schedules. Fine. <laughs> I've traveled. You know, I'm like, fine. Okay, fine. Fine. So he calls Michael and he says, okay, well, I think, you know, she'll, she'll be good and, you know, work out and, um, and you know you can start and so he hung up and then he looked at me and he said you don't really have a degree in design do you and i oh. looked at him and i said yes i actually do i mean he was the most condescending horrible man oh. so anyway so i started off as michael's secretary but the other part of the interview that i didn't just tell you just now was that he looked across the table to me and he said i assume your typing skills are good now, Jeff, mind you, I had been tested for typing, and I typed all of 23 words a minute. That's not fast. No, you're supposed to type like 123 yeah. words a minute. Okay? 60 to 80 would be so like... So I looked at him yeah. dead in the eye, yes. and I said, I'm extremely accurate. Oh, my God, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, foot in the door, you're like, they're going to sell me down the river? I'm taking you with me. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, how can you not be accurate when you type 23 words a minute? Yeah, I'm very I mean, accurate. Really? That's wise. So. Shrewd, Suzanne, shrewd. So anyway, that's how I got my foot in the door. I had really very um, little secretarial skills whatsoever. But Michael and I became very fast um, friends, shall you say, um, because I basically didn't put up with him. Um, and it was, it was a very, it was a very, very difficult environment in his office. Uh -huh. There were about 10 people and Michael was a big bully. I mean, he was a really big bully and his whole methodology was to intimidate people and to make people cower. And, um, and he was rude and he was cruel. I mean, he was so cruel to some of his employees. It was terrible. Hmm. And, um, and I remember my first week, I thought I was going to be fired three times uh, um, because I talked back to him. I, I've so, had, yeah, I've had some interviews or maybe, I don't know, I had a teammate actually for five years who said one of her, her old bosses would scream and like pound the floor, laying on the floor and have fits. <laughs> so unhinged. <laughs> well, Michael never did quite did that, but he would come in and throw the fabrics and throw oh. things around the studio. And that was just, and I literally would have to go up to him and say, Michael, step away, go, go, go sit down somewhere else, go away. I mean, I really talked back to him. And I became his pet. I was very spoiled. And well, Within a couple of months, I was going on jobs with him, and I had to find my replacement and another secretary, and you know the rest is history. You earned his uh, respect by not by, by not being bullied. 
Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. I would tell him, I'm like, you know, you can't do this. You're being, you're being mean. Yeah. And, you know, and then also things with design. I learned so much by his side. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he really, he was a master at scale and proportion. And, um, and what people think of Michael, they think of white, you know, white furniture and trees and rocks and ball pillows. And actually, Michael had an amazing eye for color and loved using color and, uh, and an incredible eye for furniture and antiques. I mean, he really, he was mixing it up long before that whole term came into fashion. Mixing it up. Yeah. I think his house was on Seacliff. Yes. No, that, on 25th Avenue. Yes. I think it's, it's, right across, it's kind of uh, really close to uh, where I live now. Yeah, and, 25th uh, Avenue You must have been North. there a lot. Yeah. And that was where the office was. Oh really? Yes. Oh wow. We were on the we were on the ocean side in the basement, looking out to this incredible view, and you know to the Marin Headlands, and then back to the Golden Gate Bridge, the opposite direction. And I can remember on really stormy, horrible winter uh. nights, it was like a scene out of The Great Gatsby because in the distance was this like flashing light, you know, yeah. going, "There's hope, there's hope," because <laughs> everyone was so sort of beaten up in that office. Uh. Um, but they were incredible. I didn't know projects. that. That's cool. I mean. The sick home office, right? Yeah, yeah. How many people were there? Ten? Kind Ten of at the most. Yeah, probably. Well, that was the other thing was that my first day on the job, my desk was next to the bookkeeper, and she turned to me and she said, "You're the. F- I've been here four weeks, and you're the fourth person I've seen sit in that chair." Wow. And I was like, "Oh, well, thank you for the welcome." Hi, hi, hi. And then I talked to the people in the studio and. With the exception of one person who'd been there 10 years, no one had been there longer than six months. Okay, churn. Yeah. I remember going on a date that night and telling my date, you know, I'm probably going to get fired from this job because it seems like everyone does. Yeah. So, yeah, it was quite quite an office setup. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, This is probably... uh, we try to have a pod snack. Is time flies when you're with Suzanne. <laughs> but, uh, yes. so we have a pod snack, and and I have a couple more questions. I just have to get through. Okay, okay. Um, for yeah, sign off. But what do you think? Have you ever thought about, or what is the most innovative um, way to use a standard material you might have used a lot? Do you ever think about that, like some mm. sort of repurposement? A repurposement. A repurpose- material. Yeah, a new way, kind of. Well, of course, I'm going to tell you the most, the the best way to be green is to use antique furniture and vintage mm. pieces. That's cool. I mean, that is the ultimate green, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a material, though, to repurpose. Well, I don't know. You know, Elvis carpeted his jungle room in <laughs> shag carpeting, yeah. the walls and the ceiling. I don't really think that is the way to go. Um, innovative material I think there's so many interesting things coming out there now with fibers and that's what I'm seeing in the textile world you know obviously there's you know the classic linens and but then people are mixing in jutes and bamboo and um, fibers that are able to do things now that we haven't seen before because mm-hmm. of technology and and all of that so I think that's really fascinating and I think that's going to be sort of where technology goes in textiles mm. um, Materials. Uh, I just got a crash course. Um, I'm doing a I'm doing a jet for a client, and it's really interesting working with materials for aircraft because you weight have or durability or weight weight and durability, but also um, the ability to withstand pressure. Interesting. And, and the the ability to withstand extreme temperatures within short periods of time. Right. So think about it. You could fly from Alaska to the equator. Yeah. And, um, you know, it has to be able to withstand those kind of temperatures and, and how they take, um, you know, marbles and stones and slice them so that they are Super a sixteenth of an inch thick. Yeah, yeah. And then actually do them as veneers. And um, you have to... It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, I was just actually thinking about that because, like, you see what well, I have seen... And I've not done them, but I have Master Vanities or something. I do a marble mm-hmm. drawer faces. Yeah. And that's like the, that veneer. That's, that's yeah. the material I kind of, a couple of year fascination with. How can I kind of re- keep sculpting marble mm-hmm. and different stones? I just keep falling in love with, oh, that's 
that's that's my jam right now. I do a lot of laser cutting with stone, uh-huh. marble, like for you know shower grills and things like that, and that's cool. window grills, and that's a fun thing to do because it's 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 I'm not sure it's so innovative. It's just unexpected that yeah, people yeah. don't seem to think of actually stone, and you know you can do that with the craftsmen that we have around. I just thought of this a base for a sofa. You know, instead of doing sometimes a whole perimeter base of mm-hmm. maybe three and a half inch of what your wood choice, doing it of marble. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're channeling Michael Kaler. Oh, is it? Really? <laughs> yeah. I can't work like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look back in his book. He did all that stone furniture really? and yeah, there was a lot of the Texas limestone, the fossil yeah, stone, yeah. I mean, all these things and... You know, the joke was, is furniture weighed the most of anybody on the planet? Oh, right. Um, yeah. I worked on a house in Saudi Arabia uh, back then with him, and all the furniture was stone uh-huh. and had to be, you know, put into, you know, crates and, and put into big carriers and taken across the ocean to Jeddah. And, and unfortunately, they got slaves there to put it all into place. But, uh, and the ashtrays, you know, the ashtrays were all carved out of, they were like, they were like giant um, frisbees, but about mm. four inches thick. And they were all carved out of travertine. And you know, those are the ashtrays. God forbid you want to, oh, here, have an ashtray. Yeah. Oh, it's like, you know. They had so. them everywhere for all the sultans, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, what is the, uh, what is the, you Favorite room in your house, and why? Ooh, good question. Um, I'm very spoiled where I live in Sausalito because I, we enjoy great views, and um, so I've got a view, you know, to the north from Mount Ham all the way over to the city, and then mm. not quite to the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, so I'm really spoiled by views in my house, but. My, where I have my home office, my study, it's right in the corner and I, and I look to the city and I look out to Angel Island and it's not a big space. It's, you know, maybe 10 feet square kind of thing, but I can watch the weather patterns. Oh, that's cool. And I can watch the ships come in and go out and the fog patterns come in and there's something really lovely and tranquil about the light there and, uh. So I would say that's probably my my favorite room. Sunrises. Sunrises. Um, the moon rises. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the moon rises are great. Oh, yeah. The harvest moons. We've been having some big yeah. ones. We say, yeah. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much. This we'll is just, it. We'll do it again. We have to leave each other. I don't want to. Oh I had to God. not. I'm gonna shelf all of this. What? Because <laughs> I. I too How many more questions did you have for heaven's um, sakes? Well, I had a speed round I didn't get to. Oh. It was just pretty fun. I know. Your speed rounds are, your speed <laughs> well, rounds I could are do, fun. You know, a couple of years, maybe we'll, we'll reboot. Okay. You know, thank you revisit. so much for coming. Thank you, Chad. I look forward to um, being inspired by you um, forever. Forever. That's forever. right. That's right. Cool. Well, and vice versa. So I'm excited about what you're doing. And uh, look forward to the showcase house. Yeah. And thank you for having me. It's been delightful. My pleasure.